cash flow is the foundation of your financial plan. If you don't know how to manage it, you'll never build the life you want. Welcome to the Becoming Work Optional podcast, where we discuss personal finance strategies you can use to create a life where you have ownership of your time. I'm Rachel, and with me is my co-host, Matt. And today, we're going to talk about creating cash flow plan. This will allow you to enjoy today without sacrificing your future. So let's get right into it and cover some of the basics. Matt, can you take it from here? Yeah, so... Like Rachel mentioned, you know, if you don't know how to manage your, your cash flow, you're never going to be able to build the life you want. When it comes to cash flow, we are essentially using a portion of our income to buy assets for the future so that we can support the life we want. Uh, that's not easy because what that requires is us to delay consumption today. So we need to find the balance of, all right, here's my income. Uh, how much of it do I need to sacrifice to be able to support the goals that I have? Uh, and then how am I going to actually do that? Uh, as we mentioned in episodes two and three, how much you save, how you invest, the accounts you invest in, those all depend on the specific goals that you have. So because of that, it makes it pretty hard for us to get really down into the details. But we're going to cover things from a high level uh, today that should be able to, to really set you on the right path. So I think first things first. You, you can't really talk about cash flow without budgeting, um, but there's a lot of budgeting misconceptions. So uh, I'm going to hand it off to you, Rachel. I hate budgeting. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> hate it. Hate it. Now, granted, there's a version of budgeting that I do like called reverse budgeting that we'll get into, but I've tried every method, the envelope method, all of that really detailed Excel sheets. Um and I've never successfully done it. I've never, when I once I've set the constraints of a budget, I've never stuck to it. Um, once you're, you can do it in the beginning of the month and get really excited about it and motivated, but then you go through the month and you live your life and expenses come up and you rarely ever actually stop yourself once you've hit the limit of what your budget should be. And it's also very time consuming and a drain on your energy. And my whole philosophy to finance, and I know you're the same way, Matt, is that this should be easy and automated. So anything that threatens that goal, I'm just not a fan of. And budgeting is one of those things. Um, I don't know, Matt, if you, you have an experience in budgeting you want to share, but it's never worked for me. And I'll, I'll share what has worked for me later on. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm the same way, like, you know, you start, you set yourself a budget. There's always going to be those expenses that you don't anticipate or something, you know, there's the one-off expense that completely throws you off. And then maybe you get to a point where there's like 10 days left in the, in the month. And you're like, well, I'm about to, you know, go over my budget. You're not going to be able to just not spend anything. Yeah. Um, that said, so I have not necessarily budgeted, but I've tracked my expenses and my income since 2018 or 2017 when I graduated Same. college. Same. So like I have all the history in a spreadsheet. I used to use Mint now, obviously not able to use that anymore. But it, I like to really think of it as like it's more of a guide for me to see where my money's going. Uh, you would be shocked to see what you would uncover just by tracking your expenses. Um it's, I'll probably get yelled at for this, but I'm going to throw my fiance under the bus a little <laughs> bit because she's 
completely opposite of me. Like money, she wants nothing to do with it. Uh, so, you know, as our relationship, uh, you know, got like developed, got deeper and deeper, like I started to help her with money and, you know, we would go through like her bank, uh, transactions and I'm like, why, like, what's, why is this expense here? Like, why are you paying for Netflix when like I have a Netflix account that we use? Why are you paying for, uh, Hulu and like that's included in the Disney bond or whatever it is. So sometimes it's, I feel like it's really hard for people like us, like in the financial space to wrap our heads around the fact that, you know, a lot of people just don't really know where their money is going. Uh, so just doing a simple exercise, like tracking expenses, um, can really help you figure out where it's going. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, tracking expenses can be really cumbersome, but there are, there are apps out there that will help you do it. Uh, a couple that, uh, that I hear a lot of people use are like Monarch Money and uh, You Need a Budget, Y-N-A-B. I've heard great um, things about You Need a Budget. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in, at the start, it really makes sense to track because that's what's going to give you your foundation because that's what's going to allow you to zoom out and say like, am I hitting my savings goals? Am I avoiding high interest debt? Uh, am I avoiding carrying a credit card balance? Um, and then once you're tracking, you're seeing like, okay, I spent this much on, uh, like going out with friends and stuff. Um, you know, if that's important to you, then okay, build it into the budget. Uh, but if you're going out and you're spending a lot on alcohol or something, like that's not really where you want to be spending your money. It kind of is just a good, good moment for reflection. Um, do you, have any, I mean, as far as like tracking goes, like what has been yeah. your, uh, I guess, philosophy or like method? I'm very similar to you. And it, it's funny, I'm going to kind of be a hypocrite here a little bit, but hate budgeting, hate the time it takes, but I've been tracking my expenses since graduating college. And it's one of those things where I have a, a pretty good understanding of it now, and I could probably stop it, but I, I genuinely enjoy it. I, I like to know where my money is going and check in with it. And even when you do it, as long as, you know, we've been doing it, there are still things that happen that surprise you or expenses that you catch that you need to cancel or change. So for example, I can kind of talk about how 2023 looked for me. And because I just finished doing a review of my 2023 finances and because I tracked all of 2023, I got to see where I spent my money and how I might want to change that for 2024. So 2023, one of the most surprising things was how little I spent on vacation. And I tell people all the time that travel and experiences are the things that I value in my life. They are one of the most important things to me, right? You know, after relationships and family. So seeing that that was not reflected in my spending was shocking and disappointing. So for 2024, I've created a plan to make sure that I spend money there and actually take the trips that I want to take. Um, so that's really the benefit that tracking will give you. First, ask yourself, what's important to me? What are my values? And then track your expenses. And if they don't line up, you know, make some changes there. And just make sure that they do line up with, with what you value and what you say is important to you. So I know there's also some, some great benchmarks that we can go through when we're talking about tracking expenses. One of the most you know popular ones is the 50-30-20 framework. And I think this gives a lot of people a good starting point. It's not something I really look at anymore. 
Um, but it is good to check in and kind of understand at a high level where your money is going. So 50, 30, 20, 50% fixed expenses. These are the necessities. These are what you have to spend on. So your rent, mortgage, utilities, these are the expenses that in an emergency, you, you can't cut out, they can't go away. And then 30% discretionary, this is kind of like your fun money. This is the vacation, the experiences, the eating out. Um, and, and in an emergency, if your income was cut, these are the expenses that you could cut out. And then 20% savings. Again, you know that's a good starting point and it depends where in your life you're starting, if that's a good uh, percentage to save or not. But this framework for people who are just starting to track their expenses, I think is a really good insight to, am I at least kind of in, trending in the right direction with my spending? Any thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, when we talk about 50, 30, 20, uh, that 50% that goes to towards your necessities, you know, you really just want to make sure that that's not like that 50% uh, of the necessities is not ballooning to like an 80% or something, because then you're not going to be able to enjoy your life. You're not gonna be able to do the things that you want to do, or you will enjoy your life. And then you're going to put yourself in a credit card debt. So mm -hmm. it's really just, there's, you know, certain rules of thumb, like how much you should spend on housing, uh, how much you should spend on like a car and Really, you just want to make sure that those uh, those fixed expenses that you can't get rid of uh, aren't going to balloon to an oversized uh, part of your budget. And then backtracking a little bit, like how you mentioned reviewing your your 2023 uh, expenses. So I do the same thing. I go back uh, through the year, see what it looks like, and then use that to adjust for, for the uh, coming year. And what's so important that people really seem to overlook is like they get this idea of like, all right, I'm gonna do this budget and I'm gonna make it so that I can save all this money and then you can never stick to it. So like, it's so important to build, like if you're going to build some kind of budget, make it realistic. You know, I, I look at things and I'm like, all right, this was over the course of a whole year. Like it probably wasn't an anomaly that I spent this. Uh, so like, let's adjust going forward. And if there are things in there that I spent where I don't want to spend that much anymore, like now I can be conscious about it and I will work that in my budget. Mm -hmm. But re being realistic is so important because, you know, just because you set a budget doesn't mean it's going to actually help you uh, save the money that you want. And I think that's a perfect segue into what we were talking about earlier, the reverse budgeting, uh, because mm -hmm. that's I, I feel like it's universally accepted as like the best way to to make sure that you can actually hit your saving, uh, saving and investing goals without like having to be so disciplined to to stop spending on certain things. Um, so reverse budgeting is basically also uh, known as paying yourself first. You get paid, uh, you invest the money, or you invest, you know, whatever your savings goal is. You pay your bills and other fixed expenses, and then what's left is your discretionary spending. Uh, you know, I think like it still requires some discipline there because there's that, you know, whatever's left over for your discretionary. If you spend more than that, then you're either going to have to take away from savings uh, or uh, God forbid, go into credit card debt. It's better to take take a little bit from savings than to go into credit card debt though. Uh, so, and then if you're self-employed, uh, you also have to account for, for taxes in there. So making sure that you're kind of seeing what your your taxable income is or your revenue throughout the year, projecting the taxes and making quarterly estimated payments. Um, and it's kind of funny because reverse budgeting, like we said, is like 
our favorite method, but it's really as simple as that. Is there any, any kind of stuff that you would, you would add there for some context? Yeah. I mean, so reverse budgeting, it's very simple. You're just basically flipping the formula around. So when I mentioned before how I, I used to try to budget and stick to these constraints within my spending, it was really, really difficult. And what I was doing was I would get paid and then, you know, I would have a little bit going to my 401k. So there is some savings going there automatically, but then I would have these constraints on my budget. And, you know, inevitably two weeks later, when I would have the next payday, I would look at what was in my account, you know, and everything I was paid two weeks ago was gone. So the idea was get paid, um, stick to these constraints within my budget. And then what, what's left over, I'll send that over to savings. Of course, there was almost never anything left over. So reverse budgeting just flips that. It just says, as soon as you get paid, pay yourself first. Before you go spend, before you go out to eat, take some of that money and put it into your savings um, or invest it, depending on where you are uh, in the, the path here. And then pay your bills. So go ahead and pay your rent, You know everything that you can pay, your util utilities. What I did actually is, for a lot of these, you know, utility companies or subscriptions or whatever, you can actually call them and ask them to change your pay date, your due date on your bill to align with when you get paid. So that's what I did to make it as simple as possible that I would get paid, pay my bills right away. And then whatever, whatever's left over, that's your suspend. Now there's a, you know, a disclosure, I feel like I have to say here, where you kind of have to earn your way to reverse budgeting and you have to build up that discipline. You have to track your expenses because if you are not saving anything and you get paid and you're like, I'm going to send 50% to my savings, that's a too drastic of a change. You're not going to be used to uh, spending 50% of what you make. So you do have to kind of gradually ease into it and get used to spending less money. And that's how we avoid, you know, going into credit card debt and racking up these expenses when we're trying to implement this new method. So you have to earn your way there. It's much easier if you're a high earner or somebody with variable income to, to use this method. Um, but it's, it's great because it makes sure that you take care of some of the most important goals first. So it should kind of align with your values and what's important to you too. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly said. And I think like you, you mentioned kind of like earning your way there, like you have to hit the basics uh, of like actually understanding how much cash flow is coming in, what your uh, fixed expenses are, and then, you know, kind of reverse engineering it from mm -hmm. there. Um, you know, I think as far as cash flow goes, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's kind of a difficult, uh, discussion to have sometimes because it's so personalized to every single person. So yeah. what works for one person doesn't work for another. Um, but what today was all about was really just trying to provide a foundation to give you a framework, a few different methods that, that we see work, uh, for other people. Um, is there anything, anything else for you, like top of mind cash flow wise that you think would be helpful? You know, I can give you a little bit of insight into the way that I handle my own cash flow, especially as a business owner, because I think a lot of business owners have these questions of how they should handle cash. And, you know, there's always surprises like a tax time or when there's a large expense that comes up. So what I do is when I receive an inflow of money and 
again, being self-employed, my income is a little bit more variable. So I would love to automate things and to an extent I do, but it's a little bit easier for me to kind of handle the funds as they come in. So what I do is I have certain percentages that I want to go to each category. So if you're self-employed, taxes is one of those things that you now have to handle. So when money comes in, I have a percentage that I send straight away for simplicity, let's say 30%. 30% goes straight away to a separate savings account. That's for taxes. I never consider that money, you know, my money that goes to the government. So I'm not tempted to spend it or put it somewhere else. Um, and then I have a percentage that I know I want to save and there's an order in which I want to save it. So it might first go into my HSA and then maybe a backdoor Roth. And I make sure to kind of take care of, of that first. And it's all based off of the percentage that came in. And then after that, you know, if I have, if I'm trying to build up more of my emergency fund, which is actually something I'm doing right now, I looked at 2023 and saw that my average expenses had actually increased every month. So I wanted to build up my emergency fund a little bit more to reflect that. So now I have a percentage that is going to my emergency fund until that is built up uh, to the new amount that I want. And then everything after that, I have a little bit going to, you know, business savings as well. Like it can get a little bit more complicated again when you're self-employed, but everything after that, once that is taken care of and bills are taken care of is mine to spend. And I want to make a note here too. I have a plan for spending as well. And this is when you start to track your expenses, you start to get a little bit more insight into how you're spending and how you might want to change that. So I really want to change how much I spend on travel and vacations. So I actually have a goal. I know exactly where I want this money to go for travel this year. I'm going to fund a trip to Mexico first. I'm going, my fiance and I are going to Southeast Asia. So I've kind of prioritized these different expenses. And I'm going to make sure as soon as that money comes in that it goes there. You know, as, as long as I have enough to live off of after that, I can certainly do that. And that's a way to make sure that your spending aligns with your values. Yeah. And that, that actually reminds me of a really good point. Um, so not doing it at the moment because just, you know, business wise, uh, still kind of like getting, getting up and running. So the vacation or travel, our travel budget is a little bit lower than, than typically. But when I was working at my last job and, uh, the kind of like similar to, to you and your fiance, um, Mackenzie and I love traveling. So I decided, I was like, all right, we're going to set aside a certain amount for, uh, for vacation and travel, like just separate savings account for rainy days, essentially. And it's even as someone who understands money, uh, it's, it can be difficult when you want to spend a couple thousand dollars or something on a vacation, but it's like in your mind, you're like, ah, I have to take that from, from investments or savings mm -hmm. or something to do it. But by having that separate pot of money that is literally just allocated for that, it helps you to get over the mental hurdle of having to take uh, a couple thousand dollars out of your like quote unquote savings. Even though you have been saving for doing things like that, taking out of the what's supposed to be an emergency fund or something, uh, it's just a big bit more of a mental hurdle. And I feel like it takes away some of the enjoyment of the actual experience. So just allocating money to a separate account uh, and have it, even giving it a name can be mm -hmm. super useful to to help you get over that that mental hurdle and and really feel comfortable and and enjoy the experience to to the best of your ability. Yeah, it's really motivating too. So if you create a savings account, 
dedicated to that goal, you know, and label it. So I would label mine Southeast Asia. I would love sending money there because that mm -hmm. is for my trip. And it's, it's really, you know, exciting. And the anticipation of that trip is honestly half the fun. So this is just a way to increase that anticipation and motivate you to save for it too. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else, I think that that pretty much wraps up today. Uh, you know, thank you again for joining us. We hope that this kind of primer on cash flow gives you a good foundation to to start making your own cash flow plan and hitting your savings goals. Uh, as always, thanks for listening or watching wherever you are. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please consider rating or giving us uh, a positive review. And um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at, or X at Matthew underscore Garrisick uh, or check out my my business website, unrivaledwm.com. Uh, Rachel, where can they find you? Yeah, Twitter, camp underscore wealth, uh, Instagram, camp wealth. My business is rachelcampwealth.com. And I did start a YouTube channel. So at That's camp right. wealth there. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> awesome. I can, as a unbiased third party, I can assure you that Rachel's YouTube channel will be, will be awesome <laughs> and worth tuning into. Thank uh, you. But that'll be it. So see everyone next time. Thanks, guys. Like the disclosures say in the bio of this podcast, this content is strictly for educational and informational purposes. And because everyone's situation is unique, you should consult with the appropriate professional before enacting any of the information you may hear in this podcast. You should not construe any such information or material as legal tax investment or financial advice. This content is provided as is, and although the material is believed to be accurate, no representations are made that the content is error-free.